You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 95th episode, recorded on Friday, January 5th, 2024. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kathy Amos. And today, we're breaking down your number 14-ranked Indiana Hoosiers 80-59 win over the Michigan Wolverines last night. The Hoosiers have now won 11 in a row, including 12 straight conference wins at home. And that brings their record for the season to 12-1 and overall, 3-0 and in the Big Ten. But we're going to start off today the way we start every show, and that's with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, Kathy, I found it kind of hard to pick one, so I'm going to go with the fact that they set <laughs> sort of a record. IU became the first team to start a game 15 for 15 from the field since January the 8th, 1999, when Portland achieved the feat against Pepperdine. And so literally something that had not been done in this century. And not only were they 15 of 15, they were six for six beyond the arc in that run. So it wasn't like they were all layups. So that, you know, that's, you know, that's uh, the pr- my proud banner moment for the game from last night. And our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's HOME, H-O-M-E, 2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And real quick, some news here before we get throw it over to Kathy for the Amos angle. But just one piece of news that came out yesterday, um, ESPN and, NCAA, and the NCAA announced an eight-year extension of their broadcast media rights deal. And the women's basketball portion is estimated at $65 million per year. And Kathy, I was reading a couple uh, some things today on ESPN, and a lot of the coaches that they talked to think that's a big a big thing for the women's game going forward and as we get into the Amos angle and get Kathy, Kathy's initial thoughts about last night's game also maybe get her thoughts about that announcement of the NCAA and ESPN deal yeah uh thanks Jeff so yeah first uh, just at a high level of the game I mean the the women came out clearly prepared for that game and Michigan was clearly not prepared for it you know I think Michigan came in 
ranked third in the Big Ten in terms of points allowed. They were only allowing around 55 points per game, and we had that um, almost by halftime. And that first quarter in particular, you know, not only, you know, to the shooting that you talked about, the perfect shooting, they almost didn't have any turnovers. And, in fact, I decided to blame Austin Rinder for the one turnover they had because I was listening to the radio feed instead of the TV announcers, and literally with there was, what, maybe a minute left in the quarter I believe he says something to the effect of, well, this is about a perfect quarter as you can get. They don't even have any turnovers. And I, I'm not kidding you. The very next possession was when McKenzie turned it over. And I'm like, that was like 10 seconds later. So I'm blaming Austin on that turnover, not McKenzie. So we'll take that one off of her box score. Um, but I, I really do that first quarter. Chris couldn't have been any better and to, to break a, almost a record or something that had stood like that since 1999, I think was just amazing. And, you know, their defense was no slouch either um, at all. I think not just that quarter, but the whole half. And so that was just a thing to to watch. And it gave me a lot of joy and fun to watch and chat with some of my friends here in the Discord channel as well. Um, in terms of the ESPN NCAA announcements, um, you know, that's just great, I think, again, for women's basketball. And it, it shows a lot of how far the, the sport has come in the last few years in terms of getting good viewership, you know. And, you know, I think eventually that will probably flow over to the WNBA and we can probably at least hope to see some changes there as well on the positive side of things. So just really happy all around for, you know, not just women's basketball, but all the attention women's sports is really finally getting here the last few years, but this just really highlights the importance of it for our nation and our, our communities. Yeah. And, and, and I thought that was, like I said, I saw a couple of comments by like Gino and, and a couple of the other, you know, coaches that are, you know, well-known in the game um, that it really, they felt it was another big step in where the women's game is going. And the fact that ESPN does a great job of really marketing the NCAA women's basketball tournament. And, and from that standpoint, but Kathy, I'm going to go back to the game a little bit as well, because you were actually watching, you watched it a lot live a little more than I did. I was able to watch it online. I kind of followed the game cast through about the first quarter before my radio game started last night here locally. And then I went back and watched the game and it's hard for me sometimes to watch a game on, a, you know, when I already know the result, but man, yeah, me I mean, just what, you know, what a start. I mean, you know, and, and sarcastic Mike here in the workaholics, you know, yeah, hey, well played because the next game we start out where we miss our first three shots, everybody's going to be like, Hey, what's wrong with our shooting? You right. know, uh, you know, so, but you know, it just like, and I thought that goes back to Terry Moran's comment in the post game. She talked, they really emphasized a fast start. Now, again, I doubt that coach Moran thought they'd get off to that fast a start, right. but I think you could tell that that, that was the big emphasis. And then we're also going to talk about in some of the numbers as well, but the, just the things that at least in the post game, she was very happy with the things that they emphasized in the pre in the, in the, the practice plan that carried over to the game. And that's always important. And, and I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody, but you know, you think the assembly call guys were, would have been, you know, like, Hey, can we do one of those post games where they actually make it's shots, right. you know? So, well, you know, they must be, cause I noticed on the show from last night that Andy used that first quarter as his, is his uh, banner moment on assembly call. So <laughs> yes, Andy is definitely at least taking note. I missed the guys. And by the way, on, on our next show Sunday after the Nebraska game, Kathy's actually going to that game just since she mentioned it. Andy Bottoms will be joining me as a special guest on that post-game show. So we'll, you know, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But Kathy, let's uh let's go from there and let's go into the pivotal plays. And I'll throw it to you and let you go first. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole first uh, quarter was kind of a pivotal play, as you mentioned. But to, you know, um, to kind of start us off, though, I, I thought it, the tone really was started off well. We had Sid making a great entry pass to, to McKenzie, who was a completely aggressive at the beginning there, where she fakes her right and then she um, turns to her left and splits her defenders for two. And that already made that score two to eight. And, you know, not to mention um, Sarah finding Sydney for three on back to back. Uh, offensive possessions and that second one in particular made it um, four to 14 um, forcing the first Michigan timeout. And so I thought those, those two plays or three plays really the, the one with um, um, Sydney finding McKenzie and then Sarah finding Sydney, those three players in particular, I thought really set the tone in the first quarter. And those I thought were really pivotal plays to set that tone for the whole team, the rest of the quarter and really the rest of the, 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 um, the game, you know, we ended up um, up in that quarter, 19 points, and we ended up still winning that game then by um, 20, 22, right? Um, 21, yeah, yeah. 21, yeah, bad math. I've been working too hard today, evidently. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, evidently, the announcer at one point kept saying we had a 12-point lead on TV and we had a 22-point lead, so math must be hard sometimes. So, um, but anyway, those, those three plays in particular I thought were pivotal mainly because of the tone that it set. You know, that was fairly early on. It immediately forced that that Michigan timeout. It really had Michigan set back on their heels, and they came out that the rest of that quarter and really finished it off, I thought. Yeah, and and we've been kind of waiting for that bust out game from Sydney Parrish. We didn't necessarily expect it all in the first quarter, but just to kind of get that fast to get off that start. And you mentioned that run there where she had back to back threes sandwiched around a, a Sydney Parrish block. You know, mm-hmm. with the, at six thirty three in the first quarter, she also had a block and then goes down and hits that second three that she made in a row. I'm going to kind of go in that same line. It's hard to pick individual plays, but. Yeah. With about three minutes later, then at the 307 mark, I use up 25 to 13. And at the 307 mark, Sarah hits a three. And then on the next possession with 230 to go in the quarter, Sarah hits another three. And then on the very next possession, 152 to go in the th- first quarter, Sarah hits her third straight three. So you had had five threes between those two in roughly about five minutes of play. And now, it, like I said, it had been 25-13 when Sarah started her run. It's now 34-17. And, and you got to kind of get the idea of looking back on it, Kathy. Any hope Michigan thought about making a run to get back in the game kind of got right. quashed right there by Sarah Scalia. Yeah. And, you know, um, again, back to Austin Render and his his broadcast on the radio, he even mentioned it. And I think it was later, maybe in the second half, but at least, um, you know, maybe even later in the second quarter about how, you know, the coach uh, for Michigan was very vocal. You know, that first quarter in particular with her team, she was up, she was really working the referees. And I think it was in the second half he mentioned She's not even working the referees anymore. She was just sitting there. The whole bench was quiet. But I think that started back in the first quarter. And those plays in particular, I thought, were really pivotal to to that kind of squashing of their hope, if you will. Um, Then for me, uh, and I don't, again, I don't know if this is a pivotal play, but I thought it was something to note that we didn't miss a field goal until 7.54 um, left in the second quarter. And that was when um, Sarah actually took a three and missed it. Um, That was her first miss, Mm -hmm. the team's first miss. But McKenzie got the rebound of that. Um, It ended up leading to Michigan fouling Jules Lamondola. Now, unfortunately, Jules only made one of two from the free throw line. Um, but that put us up 19 to 41 after that. And I mentioned that because 
you know, we had talked about in our preview of Michigan of rebounding. And I thought they did a really nice job rebounding against Michigan, who again, at the time was third in the conference in terms of rebounding margin. And, you know, again, coach, I know emphasized that, and you could tell it was a point of emphasis that I thought they executed really well on. And for me, that play in the second quarter was one that highlighted it, where even though we finally missed our, our first field goal, um, McKenzie did a great job of getting that offensive rebound. Yeah. And, and again, they won the rebounding battle, as you mentioned. Yep. And so that, and that was something we talked about in the preview the other night um, as well, that Michigan was, as we were coming into a stretch of games here where the other team was a, known as a good rebounding team. And so not only to hold even, or to even be slightly under, we won the rebounding battle and a night where we didn't miss a lot of shots, at least right. early. It's sometimes hard to get rebounds when you're not missing shots, you know, especially yeah. at the offensive end, you know, and, and you look at, we had six offensive rebounds and, and, but it's hard to collect a ton of offensive rebounds. Um, and, and from that standpoint, when you're not missing very many shots and, but like you said, you know, it took them a while to miss their first shot. And it's like, oh, wow. They only shot 50% in the second quarter. They were 43% in the third. What's wrong with them? You know, but they yeah, ended so. up 81% in that first half. Correct. And field goal percentage, you know, six of nine from three point. Um, the ironic thing was their free throw percentage was lower than both their free throw or their three point and their regular field goal percentage in that yeah. first half. So um, again, we can, if we're going to have to find any kind of blemish that would probably be the the nit to pick is their free throw shooting yeah on the night yeah i would agree i don't have any other pivotal plays because i felt like that whole like you kind of first quarter itself was so pivotal pivotal but if you got anything else you want to throw in here you go ahead because otherwise we'll just move on yeah. to the notable numbers um i i don't know if this is a pivotal play per se or not but an interesting play or an interesting thing to point out for me was um lene boymont didn't play hardly at all um, but Sarah played the entire game until the fourth quarter when Lene finally checked in with for her with five and a half minutes left to go. Um, and, and, you know, I know we had texted a little bit about it um, with between you and Ari and I and, and kind of surmised maybe she, I mean, she didn't look, didn't have any brace on her knee or anything wrapped or anything like that. So we're wondering if maybe she was sick, but it would be interesting to know if there was anything said. And I didn't get a chance to listen to the post. Um, game com press conference, but did you hear anything? Did coach mention why maybe Lene didn't play as much um, in that game as we had seen already earlier in the year? I did not. I didn't get a chance to watch the post-game press conference either. I just saw the 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 high the the the, the written highlights of of what Coach Morin had to say and kind you know, and kind yeah. of her introductory statement. But it makes you wonder if it's kind of they've gotten it pegged down to where, for example, Jules is the sub that comes in for Sydney. And that Lene is the sub for Sarah and they just, right. they, Sarah was, you know, they pretty much kept Sarah in there through that run and, and then Lene came in. So I, I wonder if there's a little bit to that. Cause there are some yeah. coaches like that. You're like this, this person this subs is for this sub person. And this is your sub. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, my, my but, only concern with that again is just um, what we've talked about all year is, you know, Sarah I'm sure is in great shape, but I don't, wouldn't want her normally playing as many minutes as she ended up playing, which I believe was um, 30, yeah, 34 yeah. minutes in a game where we're up handily after the first um, 
first quarter. I, I would have liked to seen Lene come in if possible to kind of give her some rest so we can save her legs for, you know, we got quite the gauntlet coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We had Nebraska coming up and then um, we got Iowa coming up, not around, not far along the, the way here as well. And, it, you know, tomorrow. game on Wednesday. Yeah. And so to me, I would have rather saved Sarah's legs. So that's why I'm just kind of curious why, we didn't have somebody else that could have came in for her sooner than having her play 34 minutes, but but basically 34 minutes straight. Yes. Straight. That's what I said. Until five and a half minutes left in the game, she played every minute. So. Plus I think, and I just think again, that Lene, we've, we've had Lene on the show. Great, great, you know, great, well-spoken young woman. Um, But I just think there's a future for her. Uh, and not, not that there isn't a future for Jules or anybody else, but it's just that you see things that Lene does on the floor. And you can tell that she's got an ability to the potential to slide in and be able to take that role that a Chloe or especially a Sarah has had over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so the, I, I, I uh, very, very interested in that. And then um, as Quang mentioned here in the workaholics, nobody asked her coach Warren about it in the post game. I right. think by the time she got in, I think they probably just chalked it up to that was rotation coach's decision type thing, but, and, and, and such, but um yeah, so it was a little surprising just based on where Lene had been playing at in other games. So, Kathy, that's a great point. Yep. So. Okay, Jeff, now I'm ready for numbers. <laughs> All right, let's head to the numbers then. You go first. Yeah, I, I mean, we've actually started hitting on quite a bit of these, but um, I'm not even sure where to go. The only, you know, I talked a little bit already about the one negative we had, which was free throw um, shooting percentage. They ended up, end up higher than their um, field goal in three point, but still only shot 66%. So they got to the line a lot, 19 of 29. Mm. And then, you know, just to kind of round off maybe the slight negative they had as well, which would be the turnovers. They again had 14 turnovers and again, five from McKenzie. And so, uh, you know, I, I hate to see, to see that, um, uh, you know, we had a couple of offensive fouls too, which we could talk about. You know, I'm not quite sure how they're calling that. <laughs> One time it seemed like um, anytime a defensive player fell down, uh, they were calling a charge. At least Seen they were calling it evenly. But <laughs> still, um, regardless, um, 14 turnovers is still a, a tad high, I think, for yeah. where we want to have this this team being, especially because it led to 13 points for Michigan off of those turnovers. So um, it, it ended up fine this game again when you shoot 81% in the first half and you you know go perfect from the floor in the first half and six for six in the our first quarter. It, it's fine, but when you don't have those kind of shooting nights, those turnovers could become really problematic as well as the missed free throws. So again, just t- a couple of things we've been watching all year um that i would like to still um see a little bit cleaned up going forward yeah i'd like to see it cleaned up too about the turnovers but i do think that this team plays a little faster pace than it has the last couple years so i think you're gonna have and i know coach morin isn't gonna say this and 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 she's pretty adamant about they're looking for 12 but when you play that faster pace i think you are going to have to accept a couple more so if you can keep it to 14 15, I could live with that number. I know Coach Moore says 11 or 12, but as with the p- pace they're playing, you know, uh, that 14 or 15 would be comfortable with me, but 17, so 14 last night, maybe not too bad, but yeah. it was the way they came. There, a lot of them were in the second half, and it just yeah. kind of felt like they you got, just with that big lead, Kathy, I kind of felt like they got just a little bit lackadaisical in the second half. Not all the time, but just at moments where they just weren't as clean with the ball. What do yeah. you think? 
Yeah, I thought the same thing. And, you know, it, you know, when we were discussing the discord and I see um, John here in the, the chat here live and our YouTube feed said the same thing. The turnovers in the second half were, were in particular pretty bad. You know, we only had four in the first half, which means then that we had 10 in the second half. And, and to your point, it felt like maybe they let off the gas a little bit. I mean, we still ended up winning every quarter, um, you know, and beating Michigan, you know, 17, 14 in the third and 11 to 12 in the fourth. And we came out on top and it was fine. Um, however, um, it did feel like we, we kind of let off the gas just a little bit in that third quarter. But again, you know, I, it's hard to blame a team when you are, are up um, as much as they were in that first half to, to not lose kind of focus. So, and, okay. So I'm going to go to a kind of a, a set of numbers here, Kathy. I just want to get your reaction to it. Cause when you looked at the final stats and again, we won by 21 and I think that this part is, but you would think that with, you know, we did dominate, obviously we shot the ball. Well, we made eight more threes than they did one. Well, and, and either you and I can come back to that number, but yeah. if you get, if you broke it down, if you look at the breakdown, second chance points, Michigan beat us 10 to four um, yeah. in, in fast break in points in the paint, Michigan beat us 36, 34, uh, Fast break points, we won 12 to 8. In points off turnovers, it was 13-13. Bench points, Michigan 17-15. So you looking at those kind of breakdown stats like that, you would have really felt like this game was a lot closer than a 21-point game. So, again, I think it goes back to how much that start really played a key role. But I just thought those – I thought when I looked at that after the game and I was watching the game in the replay and I had the stat sheet in front of me already, I was like, wow, if you were just kind of – if you just handed this stat sheet to somebody and not with the score, they would have thought, you know, this is a three, four, five-point game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, the the nice thing that we've been talking about all year, too, though, things and a pivotal thing, a key to the game, rather, is total rebounds. So we did out-rebound them 30-27. to 27. But again, back to your point, though, that was 10 of the 27 rebounds for Michigan were offensive rebounds and only six for us. And so that really just is going to have to get cleaned up. And we'll be talking about our upcoming game here in a minute. Um, but I just really think when you keep playing now into the Big Ten and get into the heart of the Big Ten, if you don't have a night where you're shooting, you know, 58% from the field or being able to come out and shoot, you know, and um, six for six from three point land in that first quarter and open up a big lead. I really am afraid that, you know, those letting those offensive rebounds is going to come back to bite them at some point And we're going to end up losing a game because of those second chance points. So yeah, they won in almost every other, you know, category, which is interesting to talk about, isn't it? And it also a lot of times those offensive rebounds lead to, obviously second chance points, but a lot of times they end up creating fouls because you get a foul and people yeah. are kind of scrambled around and moving around mm -hmm. and then they're trying to reach in to grab the ball and somebody's going up. So it's just, it's interesting how offensive rebounding can, that leads to other issues as well, because it tends to draw fouls. It tends, you know, yeah. and, and things such as that, let alone just the extra possessions. Right. And, and to your point, Jeff, I thought the, the referees were very whistle happy, if you will, in that game, especially in the second half. And you yeah. can see that with the personal fouls. You had four players for Michigan and three players for Indiana with four fouls each. I mean, we had 44 fouls called in that game and it just seemed to me, it was kind of taken away from the flow of the game as well. And um, it, it, I would say the only good thing about it is that they were consistently blowing the whistle on both sides of the floor. I didn't think it was overly, you know, lopsided one way or another 20 for us, 24 for Michigan, you know, kind of backs that up as well. But um, yeah. I think a lot of them were, you know, on those kind of rebounds and people going up for second, second chance points as well. 
And, and, and that's really too bad when you think about it from that standpoint, because there was a nice flow, a lot of it because of the way IU was playing. Yeah. First half had a nice flow fairly yeah. to it. But then the second half, and I think maybe that explains some of the turnovers too, because the flow just kind of went away. And, and I'm not one to say, you know, the officials are bad, but sometimes you got to be able to, hey, let the pace of the game keep going the way it was. But for some reason, it seemed like they decided, because I didn't think there was that much more contact than there no. had been in the first half. And then just like, they went, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they just, they've called more of it. So I, I wish they would have let kind of the pace continue, but you see that a lot. The officials are human. They go in at halftime. They start making some, you know, having discussions with themselves like, oh, maybe I missed, maybe I missed that. Maybe we, you know, we probably should tighten it up just a little bit. We It's starting to maybe get close to being out of hand. And I understand that that's a fine line, but right. as a fan and as a former coach, you started it one way. You yeah. got to, you know, let it continue the same way. Yep. With that. You got any other notable numbers? Um, no, just again, kind of maybe to, to emphasize, we did end up getting quite a few of our bench in there. We've talked a lot about our bench. So we had six players coming off the bench. Um, this time we had three different players score out of those six and they all had five points. And I thought our bench came in and gave us some nice minutes. Um, especially Lily Meister. I thought, you know, she played 15 minutes and, um, uh, as well, helping to kind of keep Mac under, um, at only 23 minutes. And so I, I thought our bench gave us some good minutes. Again, just the question mark of Lene and why she only played those six. But overall, you know, it kept most of our starters under 30 points, or excuse me, 30 minutes. And so it was kind of nice to see that again, especially in a Big Ten game where, you know, I expected going into this game, we'd see a pretty short bench and we ended up playing six different um, bench players. So I, I think kudos to our bench for scoring those 15 points and giving us some good production and rest for our starters in a big, pretty big Big Ten game. Yeah, and and again, we're we're kind of biased toward Lene because we've had her on the show, and like I said earlier, really great, you know, young woman who 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 represents the program well, like they all do. But I can be all right with three, that eight man rotation, or even nine. If you get if you get yeah. Lene in there and get and push her up to about nine, nine ten minutes, if you're telling me we're going to play three to four kids off the bench and they're going to get 10, 10 plus minutes. I'm fine with that because that's way beyond what we've had the last couple of years Absolutely. when we were lucky if we had six people really getting significant minutes. Right. So if we get that to eight, Kat, I think that's a great point. The other one I want to point out here before we move on is I mentioned it already, but we I talked about how even the game was and some of those things like bench points, fast break points, points off turnovers. But the big real – and this goes to the shooting – but yeah. the, the really big stat here and the differential was we were plus 24 on three-point shooting. We were yeah. nine for 19, as you pointed out already. That's 27 points. Held Michigan to one for nine, and they that's three points. So that's a plus 24 differential. And Coach Moore pointed that out in the press conference about how, how happy she was with the three-point defense. And the other thing that struck me here, Kathleen, we talked about this a little bit in the preview, they were averaging like 21 threes a game. Yeah. So, and they yeah. only shot nine. So again, I thought the defense was pretty locked in. Yeah. And to your point, you know, uh, they were averaging 73 points per game coming into this game and we held them under 60 at 59 points. I thought mm -hmm. that was a perfect testament to how good the, I thought the defense was all around. Yeah, I agree. So um, you want to move on to game ball? Let's do it. All right. I think this is going to be interesting. Maybe for the first time all year, we may have to right. have a little discussion here and get some of the workaholics involved on who the game ball is going to go to. Because there was obviously a great, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's obviously three people who jump out at you here. Um, 
I'm going to go, this was hard because I really wanted to, at first, my first gut reaction was Sydney, but the more I watched the game as I got home and, and then I looked at the stats, I, I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia. You know, you look at Sarah, she, she didn't lead the team in scoring, but she's 16 points. She got us off to that fast start in the third, first quarter along with Sid, but she had six assists. All right. Six assists, only one turnover. All right. And one rebound. So I felt like Sarah really after the last game where we really were kind of harp on the fact that she only had two points here, she bounces back. And I felt like she really led the team throughout the game uh, last night. And so I, I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia for my game ball. Um, well, I guess this won't be as hard of a discussion then, Jeff, as you oh. might have imagined. I had probably the same three people that you did. Sydney, um, uh, McKenzie, and, and Sarah. I, I am voting for Sarah for the exact same oh. reasons that you you have to, because really the, you know, she came out with those, those six assists and only one turnover. Uh, it, and you know, I really considered hard between first I considered Sydney and it was hard for me to, to vote for Sydney as much as I don't agree with one of the fouls she got called on the yeah. other three, I thought were legitimate fouls. And it's again, something that, especially on a night where she came out on fire, um, that we thought maybe, I mean, she, she had 14 points, I think almost all of them in the first quarter, we thought she'd be our next 30 point person. And then all of a sudden she got herself in foul trouble again in that first half had to sit and then some more fouls in the second half. And so that's where it kind of detracted for me. And then for McKenzie, um, even though she led the team in scoring, you know, there were in, in rebounding with seven rebounds. I think that, um, it was again, the turnovers for me that kind of turned me to, to Sarah. Uh, and so that, you know, 16 points from Sarah and including two of two from the line, she still has only missed one free throw all year. I think she's just sitting at 97% free throw percentage now, but those six assists and only one turnover kind of tipped the tipped it for me as well for Sarah. Okay. So Sarah Scalia is going to get the game ball here a little easier than I thought it might be. And by the yeah. way, for those of you who are watching on the live chat, YouTube, same the same. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> those of you who are watching on the live YouTube feed, uh, Kathy has our scroll going across the bottom of the screen. Mackenzie Holmes with five, uh, Sarah Scalia will now get her fourth game ball and, uh, Yarden Garzon with three, Yarden Garzon with three and Sydney Parish has one. So those are our game ball winners for this season. We're going to move on to the Grace Burger hardest worker. And this time, Kathy, I'm going to let you go first, but Kathy, again, will be pulling for those of you watching on the live YouTube feed. You can see she's pulled up the scroll for the hardest worker award. And right now this is pretty competitive. We've got Sydney Parrish with three McKenzie Holmes with three Chloe Moore McNeil and Lexi Bargesser with two each and Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister with one each. So Kathy, I'll let you, like I said, I'm going to let you go first on the hardest yeah. worker. So I think um, this one I had actually a lot more trouble with um, because, you know, you could, you could say a lot, even after Sydney could get back in with her foul trouble. I thought she was, you know, still really good with, with her rebounds and her, her defense, you know, she ended up um, with, oh, I guess not as many. She only ended up with two rebounds, but um I thought uh, Mackenzie, we've already kind of talked about her, but for me, who I finally landed on was Lily Meister. I had um, Lily came in and gave us a great 15 minutes. I thought off of the bench, um, she ended up with five points on one of two shooting, but she also made three or four from the free throw line. I thought she was really aggressive. She ended up with three rebounds as well in those um 15 minutes. And so for me, I thought Lily came in and just gave some really nice minutes again, um, seeing some good footwork from her as well. And people are finding her and she's setting great screens. And it's some of those types of things that don't show up in the stat 
stat lines, the screening and, and other things like that, that to me are what is setting Lily apart right now from the rest of our bench and kind of giving us glimpses of what we might see from her as she continues to improve. And just the improvement from last year to this year, I thought has been really fantastic for Lily as well. So for me, I'm giving her my Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award vote. And so th this is where I think we're going to kind of, and I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, this is a little bit, you know, there's more than one person that's obvious here, but we're right. going to need some workaholics help here because I'm going to go with Sid. I just have a hard time not getting Sydney something after the start she yeah. got us off to last night. And, you know, like you said, 25 minutes, shot five of six from the field, three of four beyond the arc. Uh, one of two at the line, two rebounds. So she was, you know, her 14 points. I, I think all of her points were in the first quarter. I, I don't think she I scored think so. in, in right. after the first quarter, mm -hmm. but she had five assists as well and a, and a block that I already mentioned. So mm -hmm. I, I just think, you know, again, I think Lily played well last night and I thought, and I thought Lexi Bargesser did some nice things yeah. as yeah. well. But I, I just, because she came in 20 minutes, five points, um, a rebound, two assists. She was two of two from the field. Only one of four at the free throw line. Again, that's Alexi's got to make free throws because the guards are going right. to get fouled. But, but that, 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 that funky motion is, you know. know. But As long as she shoots layup, she looks great. Yeah. And like <laughs> and Todd says in the workaholics, you also, you know, Jules yeah. had, you know, 12 minutes and five points. Yeah, so, but I just, I just felt like with the way the game got started last night, and Sydney was such a pivotal part of that energy at the beginning of the game that Coach Morton talked about that they needed and really worked on. I I'm going to go with Sydney Parrish for the Grace Berger hardest worker. And so we'll give the workaholics yep. a couple minutes here. We've already seen some votes for Sydney. Yeah. But I've I already seen three in there. So yeah, so I haven't seen anything for Louis, but we'll kind of let that go yep. until the end of the until the end of the show. And then we'll kind of come back and make it official here as we move on to looking at Nebraska. Yeah. So Kathy. real quick, um, just an update on okay, our yep, Mac yep, Watch yep, numbers. Yep, yep, um, yep, so, go ahead, Kathy. Yeah. Kathy, go with Mac Watch. Mac Watch. I know we need to put it in our, our run sheet to make it yeah. an official uh, section now, I think. So for the Mac Watch, Mac um, ended up with uh, 20 points and seven rebounds and one block shot. Um, so the main one that we are looking at is the, the point total. She is now up to 2,150 points for her career. And to take first place, she needs 214 points, which is an average of 14.3 points per game. Again, that's just for the regular season, not counting any postseason play. She is closing really quickly on the rebounding side for sixth place. Um, and fifth place might be within reach too, but right now she's only 10 away from moving into sixth place with um, her rebounding. So that is where we are at on the Mac Watch. Sweet. So again, we have Nebraska coming up on Sunday. Kathy's actually going to the game and Andy Bottoms will be joining me on the post game show afterwards. But Kathy, why don't you take the first part, kind of the overall team for Nebraska here? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of history, Indiana leads the all-time series 11 to 6, including um, um, 4 and 4 in Lincoln, so 500 um, in Lincoln. In terms of Bloomington, uh, they won on New Year's Day in overtime, 74-62 last year. And IU is 8 and 2 in the last 10 games, and including the last 7 of 8. So historically, they are um, really had their, their number. Although I think we'll see Nebraska is coming in. 11 and three and also three and zero after winning against Wisconsin last night, they beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin 69 to 57. Um, in terms of their overall um, other kind of record that they have, their three losses were to Creighton, who is number 31 in the net 79, 74 at home. So very close game there. 
They lost to TCU in Tampa, 88 to 81, which was in the St. Pete showcase. Um, TCU is number 28 in the net. Um, and Kansas, who is number 54 um, in the net, they lost at Kansas 69-52. And I should mention in terms of net ranking, um, Nebraska is actually at 24th. Um, they Some of their notable wins are against Georgia Tech, number 53, at home 80-72. They went up to Michigan State, who, again, I know historically maybe we haven't thought of Michigan State as strong, but they're much improved this year, taking Iowa down to the wire. So and they're 14th in the net. They beat Michigan State at Michigan State, 80 to 74, and beat Maryland at home, who is number 34, at home, 87 to 81. This is their first 3-0 start to conference play since 2011-2012, which is their first year for Nebraska being in the league. And Kathy, you look at that, they really don't have a bad loss. I mean, that Kansas yeah. is the lowest net loss if they're at number 54. But if that's your worst loss throughout the rest of the season, they're, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their bracketology profile is going to look pretty good here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was able to watch a little bit of the game they had last night against um, Wisconsin and they looked really solid. Um, and, you know, as we get into the team numbers and stuff, um, and then I, I will, uh, I guess we can talk a little bit more. I don't know if you got to see any of that game at all last night. I didn't get to see any of it, but I did look at the box score a little bit as I was getting ready to run, you know, getting the run sheet updated for today. They had a, had a, a double digit lead at halftime and then Wisconsin actually outplayed them in the third quarter and made it, it was a two point game going to the fourth quarter. And then Nebraska kind of put them away. Um, I'm going to take yeah. the team concept here. And now I'm going to let you talk about Markowski a little bit. We'll kind of alternate the, yeah. the players. Let's do that. Um, okay. Team wise, Nebraska's averaging 78 and a half a game. They're seventh in the big 10. They give up 60.4, which is four. So they're very similar to IU. Their numbers offensively and defensively, very similar. I use a little bit better defensively, but just slightly better on the offensive end. Uh, they shoot 45% from the field, which is seventh in the league, 33% from three, which is 10th. So they're not a great outside shooting team, but they attempt 25 and a half threes a game. So they're not afraid to shoot it. Uh, there are 73.6% on free throws, which is eighth. Um, they average 13.8 turnovers. They, they force 14.3, which is a plus 0.5, which is 11th in the league. So they are not great at turning over the other team, you know, slightly marginal, I guess I would put there, but they're first in rebounding margin. They are plus plus 11 in rebounding margin. So again, rebounding is going to be a huge factor and Lincoln is not the easiest place to play in the women's side of the conference. Yeah, so that Kathy, is for sure. You and, you know, yeah, I can talk about Markowski. And then, well, and I was going to say, thoughts stuff. about, yeah. Yes. And then I'll talk about Markowski specifically. So again, like I've only watched them a one half, which is the first half of the Wisconsin game. And so I didn't realize I didn't get a chance to look at the box score afterwards. Um, and you realize that Wisconsin had closed it so, so closely, but um, the threes, what I did notice, yes, they took a lot of threes and there was a lot of people that took them. So I don't think it's even concentrated to just one or two of their players that take those threes as well. Um, so in terms of specific players, um, Alexis Markowski, um, she's a six, three junior. She is their center for them. 
Um, she is definitely the leader of that team in terms of offense. She is scoring 17.2 points per game, which is fifth in the conference right now, and just missing a, an average of double-double at 9.9 rebounds per game, which is first in the league. And so, you know, Jeff mentioned the rebounding margin at first. She is definitely a huge reason for that rebound. She is definitely always well-positioned, at least, again, the one half I saw, well-positioned and is looking to get that rebound. Um, she shoots 50% from field goal. So that's seventh in the, the league. So kind of similar to McKenzie. She's very efficient when she gets it down there. Um, but she also can shoot the three. Um, she isn't great at it, but she'll shoot it. She shoots mm. 22% from three um, and only in 69% from the free throw line. Um, last year and the year before she finished at the second big 10, um, second, all big 10 team. And then as her freshman, she did make the big 10 freshman of the year. So to me, I feel like she is um, pretty key in this, this game on Sunday for us, um, in terms of how McKenzie guards her. And if we kind of try to at least come down and hedge a little bit against her or, or even outright double her, I'll be curious to see how we guard her. But, um, you know, she's not afraid to pass it either uh, out to those three-point shooters that she has around her. So this is going to be a really interesting de defensive matchup, I think, with Markowski. And also may allow, they may try to guard McKenzie one-on-one -on -one and not have to double down and leave shooters here. So it's it, it's it's yeah. one of the better matchups we're going to see with Mac in the Big Ten in terms of somebody else that may at least be at toward her level um, with that. The other, their other, we, they have a couple others that we're going to talk about jazz Shelley, their five, nine graduate guard uh, jazz Shelley's averaging 12 and a half a game, which is 25th in the league. Um, she's averaging just under four rebounds. She's at 5.2 assists per game, which is sixth in the league. And she averages one and a half steals. Her shooting numbers are down slightly this year. She's been traditionally a little bit better shooter, 38% field goal and 33% beyond the arc. But she's an outstanding free throw shooter, 88%, which is second in the league. She was first team all Big Ten last year. She was second all Big Ten and all defensive team the year before that. And then her first two seasons were at Oregon. She actually overlapped one season with Sydney Parrish at Oregon. So it'd be it's a little bit of an interesting matchup from That's that great. standpoint. And I, and I wish we could somehow find a way to get Sydney, uh, uh, like find a way to get an interview with Sydney or something, and ask her what her time was like at Oregon and what, you know, when she sees somebody like Jazz Shelley that has transferred out like she did, you know, just what kind of, you know, what do they talk about and things like, you know, after a game or maybe before a game or do they, or do they even still having contact after right. they both have left Oregon. So, but jazz Shelley struggled a little bit last night, but she didn't have she a did. lot of shots. She five only points. had five points last night, but she only shot like five shots. So I was three. a little surprised or three. I say, there you three. go. Three. Yeah. I just yeah. pulled it up because I was going to make the same comment. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Shelly, but jazz, don't, don't, don't think that jazz Shelley's, you know, she may be not shooting well, but she's still capable of going out and getting 20 in a game. So you, this is definitely the guard that you got to kind of keep an eye on um, for them on Sunday. And then why don't you talk about their freshmen? Yeah, so Natalie Potts is a 6'2 freshman forward for them. She has currently been averaging 11.6 points per game and six rebounds per game. She shoots 62% from the field and 25% from three-point land and 83% from the line as well. From a high school standpoint, she's from Missouri, and she was two times Missouri High School Player of the Year. And she was who the other person who kind of stood out to me last night as well, in addition to Markowski, because she ended up with 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting. Um, so, you know, you know, they shot as a team 27 three-pointers, that's the interesting thing. They only made 33% of them last night. So that's definitely, I think, where we're going to have to watch. 
so that we don't give up a whole bunch of threes against them. But I, I think she looks like a really nice freshman. She really is not afraid. She doesn't play like a freshman. And I think, you know, between those three are the main three I, I expect us to have to focus on from a defensive perspective. Yeah. And she had all 16 of her points in the second half last night. She really carried them in the second half. I was looking at, like yeah. I said, I looked at the box. I read the recap and they made, and, and the coach, uh, you know, and we didn't put, talk about the coach, uh, dumb, dumb me in the run sheet here. Uh, but, you know, they, the, but they, the coach called, talked about how well Natalie Potts played in the second half. And that was key. So when you get a freshman like that, who's putting up 16 in the second half alone, Jazz Shelley doesn't have to really search for shots. And, and they were able to get out of Wisconsin with a win. So, all right. Uh, with that. So real quick, we'll go IU by the numbers here. Yeah. Um, and just again, I'll go through this really quickly. We're sixth in scoring just over 80 a game, but we're second in defensive average at 57.8. We are now first in field goal percentage after last night, and we are first (laughs) in defensive field goal percentage. And I'd be interested if that finished that way, when would be the last, I'd have to go back and look, obviously, but I wonder if there's been a point in the last decade where a big 10 team has led, has led the league in shooting percentage and been first in defensive field goal percentage. We're third in three point percentage and we're second in defending the line. We're we're 11th in free throw percentage. We've actually raised our number up, but we really haven't climbed up the rankings yet. We're up to 70% free throws. We're plus four on rebound margin. We're plus two on turnover margin. And last night's attendance, Kathy, your thoughts, because you watched the games a little bit more. Yeah. And I watched it, and, but I did fast forward through a couple parts of it that I won't, you know, kind of through the commercials and kind of through some of the dead ball action. But the attendance last night, 89.73, which was Indiana, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Indiana's attendance last night was 8,723. They're averaging 89.73, which is second in the league. But Nebraska averages 54, 5,411. They're fifth. So I think you're going to see a pretty, you're going to be there. I think it's going to be a pretty mm-hmm. awesome environment on Sunday. Yeah, you know, we've been over to um, a couple of games over there before, both on the one on the men and one on the women's side, and they do. They show up for their their basketball programs on both sides, and so um, I was pretty pleased with the tickets that we were able to get, um, but honestly, I was surprised. And so in terms of attendance, I was a little surprised it fell down for us. Um, Last night, especially after the 11,000 that we had um, against Illinois, I thought we would be up a little bit. The only thing I can, I, I kind of attribute to is two things. Maybe the, the students are still gone and it was a Thursday night with a fairly early tip time. So if there's people that had to travel as opposed to like, you know, when you could go on New Year's Eve, you right. didn't have to probably work and it was easier to get down there. And now at six o'clock. Um, or excuse me, seven o'clock tip time for Bloomington time. It probably attributed to that, but I think that will be an anomaly hopefully going forward. By the way, that game on Sunday is a two o'clock Eastern time start one central. I think we neglected to mention that. And that is on BTN on Sunday, two o'clock Eastern one central. Um, and Kathy, you're out of the big town. I kind of want your thoughts about this. There's really, I, I was looking at the schedule. There's a lot of, you know, at least on paper, some mismatches over the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, but the one game that intrigued me, Purdue, at Maryland tomorrow, Saturday, both are two and one in the league. And I'm not sure either one can really afford to get to, to take that second loss and feel like they're really going to have a chance to win the league at this point. Yeah, that that's an intriguing game for sure. I think of the ones that are coming up between now and 
the end of Sunday that I looked at as well. Um, it, you know, Purdue's been kind of not quite sure what they're giving us and Maryland, not quite sure where they're giving us. And so even at the end of the day, I'm not sure that this game's going to tell us a whole lot about either teams, unless one blows out the other, especially if Purdue goes up to Maryland and blows them out. But I, I actually would not be surprised if this is a pretty um, close game um, with Maryland coming out on top. I, I think Maryland will win, but I agree with you. I think this game is going to be closer than it's probably been in a few years. But it's also interesting is the, the Reynolds girl who transferred from Maryland back to Purdue this year. Her sister was actually going to go had a committed to Maryland, backed out of that, committed to Purdue. So it also will be there's a little bit of dynamic there. And I want, uh, you know, with Brenda Freeze and some and with that. And so it'll be interesting to see if how that kind of plays out if there's you know and 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 just you know is maryland ready yeah it's like you know is brenda gonna maybe get them a little more pump for purdue because those two you know left the maryland you know program to go to purdue so but i agree with you i think if maryland will win i think it'll be a little closer than we're used to seeing with that kathy i'm gonna throw it over to you for your final thoughts yeah um so just really i think one of the better games i think complete games that we've seen from this team all year, personally. I, and especially, you know, Michigan is not anybody to sleep on this year. They've had some nice wins. Um, the rebounding was great, and I hope we carry that in. Now we're getting ready to go into Lincoln on the road and um, play the team that's the the number one rebounding margin in the league. And, you know, I thought that really showed up again in that game last night against Wisconsin as well. Again, I didn't look at the numbers per se, but that's just how it felt to me in the first half that they really – do show why they're a good rebounding team. So, you know, we, we haven't had great starts in these kind of um, on the road, true, true road. We don't need to talk about Stanford. We already know about that, but you know, even when we went up to Penn state, I thought that we kind of had a a slow start there as well. Um, So I'll be kind of curious to see if they can come out with the same intensity that we did. um, yeah, it was Penn State, right? No, Rutgers. I'm sorry, Rutgers. We haven't had Penn State yet. I that's why I doubted myself for a second. So fact check. When we went up to Rutgers, it felt like we played kind of slow to start off and not having great shooting nights. And so those are the kind of things I'm going to be watching for when I'm there on Sunday. Is how fast do they get out to start? Can we shoot the ball and can we maintain our rebounding intensity that we saw kind of ratcheting up last night? So for me, those are the key to the games I'll be watching for. But I think this Michigan game that they had last night hopefully gives them a lot of confidence and things they could show them on, on tape, you know, in that film room that shows this is really why you were able to do what you did in that first quarter. Let's continue to build on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also kind of, you got to limit turnovers Michigan, uh, you know, uh, Nebraska doesn't force a ton. So don't help them by, you know, making some unnecessary turnovers. You're going to have some, but don't get up to 2021 just because you're being a little bit sloppy against a team that doesn't force 20 to 21 turnovers. So I'm going to kind of keep an eye on that also. And on the road, you would like to get off to a fast start because you can take the crowd out of the game yeah. a little bit as well. But um, this is going to be a tough place to play. We went there a couple years ago and kind of stubbed our toe, if I remember right. We won the, Maybe the first yeah. year we were doing the show that we oh, went well. to Nebraska and kind of stubbed our toe and took a loss there um, as well. So, but we will, you know, we'll, you know, Kathy, we said a couple of times, Kathy's actually going to that game. So we'll have the post game show on afterwards and maybe Kathy will find a way to join us, you know, for, yeah. for a brief moment on the way home after the game. But um, Kathy, why don't we get a little Bob Thompson music? We'll wrap up the podcast. Yep.
And coming up, we will be back, as we've said a couple times, on Sunday, January the 7th, after the Nebraska game, approximately 4 Eastern, 3 Central. And Andy Bottoms from Assembly Call will be joining me as a special guest. And then also tomorrow is Saturday, which is the uh, IU men will be hosting Ohio State. Then and Assembly Call will be on with their postgame show after the game. So look for them here on the on, on the YouTube feed or as you can subscribe to Assembly Call or listen to them on your uh, favorite podcast you know, place, whether it's Spotify or iTunes. Um, if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at the at symbol at back home network. Again, youtube.com at, or excuse me, youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more about assembly call and at assemblycall.substack.com. And real quick, Kathy, before we break out of here, you've been really, you know, we've been pushing, we don't have all the, the specifics, all right? Mm-hmm. But we're trying to come up with some. We right now, we believe our 100th episode is going to be the Purdue postgame show on the 21st. So we want to kind of get the word out to, if you're here in the live chat, we're trying to work on some like a giveaway for somebody in the workaholics who's here on the live chat on that day. Can you, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that? Because you've been really working on that side of it. Yeah, so um, I've been talking with Jared from Assembly Call, who kind of is our, our I don't know, our head honcho of the Back our Home guru. Network, if you want to call him that, yeah, our guru, our mentor, I don't know. So we've been kind of talking about some different things that we have. Um, so I re- wrote out the schedule here for the last kind of 10 episodes that we have. And yes, as of right now, that Purdue game that is coming up um, here in January um, is scheduled to be our our, our um 100th episode. So hopefully we will have a victorious episode that we'll be talking about. That is the um, Purdue game that is at Purdue on January 21st. Um, so hopefully you can mark your calendars now, um, just in case you're you're curious. That Purdue game here tips off at two o'clock Eastern or one o'clock Central. So mark your calendars because if you are around and are chatting with us live in the YouTube feed, we are planning to do some kind of giveaway. To those people. So tell your friends if you haven't already. Um, mark your calendars, mark their calendar. Um, keep an eye on our Twitter feed. Keep an eye on Substack if you're part of our community there. And we'll be, and, and as you're listening, we'll be announcing more as we get more details. But that is what we are planning right now. Um, it will probably be some kind of random giveaway to people that are tweeting with us, or excuse me, chatting with us in the chat. Um, so we haven't figured out the details behind that on how we'll do it. Um, but that is. What we're looking at so so we wanted to make sure everybody is aware that this is our 95th episode hard to believe kathy we got this idea a couple of years ago yeah. that we'd get to this point so you know here we are but again as we close this out special thanks to john ringer of rig design for design rigdesign.com for designing our logos also a big thank you to bob thompson for our music that you hear throughout the broadcast and again we want to thank all of you for listening either on your favorite podcast or who join us here on the live youtube feed and the workaholics we appreciate you being here and your loyal support until then keep your elbows and we'll be back with you on sunday after the nebraska game until then keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers and cut i always want to say that after that (laughs) (laughs) like a hollywood producer hollywood director Uh, hey, good show, everybody. Everybody, the workaholics, yeah. thanks for your comments and, and your input. So great job in the chat today. And Kathy, another excellent show. You're not, you know, you were on the ball. You were, you were. 
you were hitting it. Thanks. Appreciate that, Jeff. You always are. So, um, Quang says we should have different backgrounds. So he doesn't like us having the same background. So just for Quang, because you're always here, we'll have different backgrounds next time for you, Quang. Well, I won't even be here, Quang. Um, Andy will be, I might join for my phone. Like Jeff said, as I'm, you know, kind of leaving the game or whatever I am sitting in the first row. So maybe I can, uh, at least give a report out of what the, the, the atmosphere was like there and have any kind of insights being that close right. to the court. I'm pretty, pretty excited for that. So. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Kathy, enjoy the trip and enjoy the game. We'll talk to you hopefully a little bit on Sunday, but yeah, definitely hopefully. the next time definitely we will Wednesday. be on after that is the wins, a week, a Wednesday, I believe, after the Penn State game at home. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk to you then and definitely for sure when you're back here live on the post-game show for the full episode. So until then, you have a great weekend, and I will hopefully talk to you a little bit on Sunday. Sounds great. All right. Well, good night, night everyone. everyone. Have a great weekend.